0: Welcome to DevJams. This is where we talk about innovative, insightful, interesting things that are happening in the world of development, and of course, happen to be utilizing Cloudinary. My name is Sam Brace, and I am the Director of Customer Education for Cloudinary. And joining me for every single episode is Becky Peltz, who handles instructional design and curriculum development for Cloudinary, specifically for our developer audience. Becky, it's always fabulous to have you
1: on these episodes. Hey, thank you, Sam. And this is a really good episode because there's a lot of special things that came out of this I think we'll get into. And not only are you going to learn a lot about how to put together a full stack application with Python, which we haven't really used before in this series, but you're also going to get to know someone really special.
0: Absolutely. And that's a great segue to the person that is special, the person we interviewed, Jen Brisman. Jen, as Becky pointed out, built a full-stack application with Python that is called FollowSpot. And FollowSpot is a great way for people in the entertainment industry to be able to track their auditions and keep notes about those different auditions. And if there's any media associated with those auditions, such as images or video or even audio, it's all done through Cloudinary and our upload APIs. So... We're going to be focusing on what Jen did on building this pretty awesome project for this particular type of user, someone that happens to be in the entertainment industry, that's going from audition to audition to audition, and all of the different technologies she built into this. And of course, it's not just Cloudinary behind the hood. There's amazing other companies that are involved in this from an API standpoint as well, such as Twilio and Mapbox. So, If you're wanting to know about how to build a full stack app and you're trying to weave in lots of different APIs and their calls into your project, this is a good one to watch. Uh, You're going to learn quite a bit from it and the steps that Jen took to develop this app.
1: And I think this is a really good example of, of why we like diversity in technology is because... We don't all have the same problems, but if you have a problem and you can solve it technically, it opens up the door to a whole bunch of other people who share your problem.
0: So true. And, I, and hopefully we're showing that throughout this program, right? With the different episodes we show of it, not one episode smells like the other. And hopefully you're getting that as being a longtime Jam's listener and watcher, hopefully, for, at this point. And of course, if this is your first episode, we're happy to have you here, too. So let's get right into it. Let's talk to Jen. And then once we are done with our conversation, make sure to come on back because we're going to have some notes and takeaways for you from the episode that me and Becky will be happy to share. So stay tuned, see you in a little bit. Jen, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So Jen, we're really excited to talk to you because one thing that we found as a very common theme when we've been talking with developers, whether they're brand new to the software development field or people that have been in for 10, 20, 30 years is that they haven't always been a developer. And I think that's one thing that we're gonna see as a really common theme with the program, but also in your case is that you didn't start off saying, the way I'm gonna move through my career, the way I'm gonna be a professional is to start off being a software engineer by any means, but here we are. So talk to us about that. Talk to us about that journey.
2: Yeah. So my background is in musical theater. Um, I grew up in the Bay Area, got my professional start in theater at a young age. So my first professional job acting was at the age of nine uh, at a company called TheaterWorks in the Silicon Valley. And then I got my bachelor's degree from the College Conservatory of Music, which is a highly competitive college program for musical theater. And I've performed professionally in theaters across the country since, um, including the Muni in St. Louis and Goodspeed in Connecticut. And then my career in New York has transitioned more into the commercial voiceover TV film world. And I'm actively pursuing work in this arena still and have agency representation across the board and NYC and um, Chicago as well.
0: So then with you having focused on this, of course, going to competitive schools, but in the arts, being where you are being an onstage performer, what happened where you're saying, but I also like code? Because once again, (laughs) not every onstage performer is someone that likes looking through lines of code and building out apps and understanding configs and all the things that obviously you do. So what, what, what happened?
2: Yeah, you're probably wondering, you're like, okay, how how does this connect? So basically, I had seen friends who had made this big life change and transitioned their careers into tech and kind of attended a bootcamp style training like I did. So it was always kind of in the back of my mind as something that was an option that I'd like to pursue if I ever found myself not as busy with my performing career. And then um, surprise, COVID happened and gave me the time to focus on this. And, you know, it really hit the entertainment industry hard. And my partner and I just saw the writing on the wall and we bought a car and picked up and moved out of New York into a beautiful mountain town in Central Oregon for this time. And we'll be moving back to New York um, at the end of the summer. But it's just been this perfect little time that I've been able to focus on learning to code. And it's been such a gift, actually.
1: You also attended boot camp during this COVID period. So, yes. Where did I go?
2: Yes, I attended Hackbright Academy, which is a school, an engineering school for women and non-binary people based in San Francisco. But because of COVID, it all moved to remote. So everything was online. Um, We were on Zoom for hours, hours and hours and hours um, uh, every week. And I mean, probably between 60 to 70 hours a week, I would estimate um, for the duration of the 12-week full stack software engineering bootcamp. So it was a big change and it was, it was kind of, I think the best way to just dive all the way in just full time, you know, from zero to a hundred. And it really, I think helped me learn and give me, it gave me the foundation for continued learning as well. So we're going to touch
0: more on this when we start getting into the app and the project, but obviously the app has a big focus on Python. And that's one thing that, is that where you learned Python in Hackbrite? Is there a particular programming languages that you found yourself gravitating to that you learned about in there? Talk about that a little bit.
2: Yeah. So my main language that I'm the most comfortable with right now is Python. I had to learn it to get into Hackbrite. You don't just start knowing nothing. You have to get accepted and they have a technical interview. So um, I was... I um, self-taught before Hackbright and I did their prep program, which was like a Python 101 program, um, just pretty basic. But then I just taught myself outside of that program on my own and got in. And yeah, Python is the main language they teach there. So you know it's a back-end focus, but we really learn the full stack. But I would say my most cozy language at this point is Python.
0: I mean, obviously, when you look at like development across the world, it's where Python is a very, very popular language. You see a lot of major applications, major sites utilizing it in major in many ways. So, I think it's a good one to learn, and so it's it's good to be cozy about language, right? Yes, because it, agreed. It makes it utilized in different ways too. Absolutely. So looking at things like that, so when you were going through these 12 weeks, you're learning new things, you're deep in the academy. And of course, talking with other academy students, not necessarily hack but at other cases where we've talked to people, you know, it's a long process. If these 12 mm-hmm. weeks feel like 12 weeks where yeah. you're going through, you're learning lots of things. It's grueling, it's intense. Um, but by the end, you have something amazing typically as a capstone project, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing. You really, you know, to learn something new as an adult is different from learning something as a kid because your ego is involved, right? So you've got your face in the dirt every day and then you wake up and go back for more the next day and more and more. And it's just about the staying power and about the commitment and about just keeping your chin up and knowing that there are ups and downs when you're learning to code. And what was so great about HackBrite, really one of the greatest gifts I received from my bootcamp experience in general is the community there because, you know, I feel like I've made friendships there that will last a lifetime. And I wasn't expecting that going to learn to code. I thought I would have colleagues sort of work friend type of relationships. And, and it was pretty amazing to make these real friendships also in a strange way during COVID where everything was remote. I have never met these people in person, but I feel connected to them. And in terms of learning to code, just to even have a friend be by your side while you, while you wade through the muck, figuring something out you've never seen before, or to have someone to bounce ideas off of you just, you never feel alone. So that was a game changer, I think on my journey.
1: You know yeah, I think that speaks ahead, to a lot of developers that that the sense of collaboration and the fact that you're dealing with problems that you've never encountered before it takes a lot of detailed looking at this and that and 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 I think in your immersive situation like that, where you were kind of forced to be in that how did how did you feel about that? the kind of need to work and depend on others for that kind of work
2: I really loved it, I think. Uh, you know, people wonder, okay, should I just teach myself to code on my own or should I go through a program? And I think that would be the biggest argument for why boot camps are worth worthwhile. It's because of the community that's formed and being able to look to a friend and look to people who are going through the same process as you are and reach out and have that support. It was, it, it made it fun. It made it, um, more worthwhile and interesting. And I think I learned a lot because of that community.
0: One thing that you mentioned that I, I want to talk about a little bit here is that mm-hmm. you mentioned that Hackbrite it's primarily meant for women or non-binary. Mm-hmm. Yes. Why was that an attraction to you say, like, I want to be with that, with that type of a student to have that in the mix? Uh, why Absolutely. is that? Because that's something where We haven't heard that come up in other conversations yet. Not that that's bad or good, but it's interesting to find out decision making because we have a lot of audience members that are saying, I want to go to boot camp or I want to go and choose a school to learn how to code. But how do I choose the right one? What was that decision making for you?
2: Yeah. I, I looked at a bunch of boot camps, and I, I had my spreadsheets. I did all the research and I was really attracted to Hackbright because their mission is to change the ratio in tech. You know, it's a primarily male dominated industry. And I was really interested in that. And especially looping back to my background as an actress, I would say there are more women than men that go into acting as a profession. And it felt like the opposite. And um, I was really interested in changing that ratio. And just growing up in the Silicon Valley and being around it my whole life, a lot of my friends' dads were in tech. And um, I just, I never really thought of it as much as as something that women go into. And I I was just happy to know that a school like this existed where I could be learning alongside other women and non-binary people as well. And also, just um maybe just on a personal level, I thought it'd be cool to not have to you know kind of a no boys allowed policy kind of like made that camaraderie a little more intimate and special for all of us within the program, yeah, and
0: I mean, as a boy, I'm cool that and I, I think it's weird <laughs> I think. It's- I, and I think it's also great because it's where, rather than saying we need to have it where all different types of people are included, or like having specialties, having focuses, I think is good, and I think it's what the boot camp model is allowing. And I'm really yeah. glad to see that something like Hackbright exists. I, I really
1: want to add to that too that I think corporate America realizes that because there are massive, uh, diverse, you know, initiatives going on in companies across the world. Because you know, in Seattle, for example, huge, you know. Um, huge tech community, and we can all like get pizza and get a ride somewhere because that's what all the tech people need. But we know there are many other problems that need to get solved. And I think the diverse community of technologists is really going to help with that. So,
2: yeah, I'm really absolutely. That. I'm happy to be part of changing that ratio. Makes me <laughs> feel proud.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I love it. I love it. So now that you've, you know, you've gone through the school, you've gone through the 12 weeks, you're knowing how to use front-end, back-end languages for programming. What does this ultimately turn into? What was the thing that you built at the end of this um, 12-week period?
2: Yes. So um, I built an app uh, called Follow Spot. So just, you know describing it at a high level. It's it's an audition tracking app for anyone in the entertainment industry who wants to track their auditions, wants to keep track of that. So um, users can enter information such as date, time, location, role, project, company, which agent submitted them, detailed notes, And then where I use Cloudinary's API, um, they can upload any media such as audition scripts, music, photos, video, audio, and the app also keeps track of the user statistics and displays them in charts.
0: So as somebody that's working, of course, in the entertainment industry, understands what it is, why would an app like that ultimately be useful to have all that data?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Great question. So basically in the entertainment industry, it's it's easy to lose track of which casting offices you've gone in for, which projects you've gone in for, or whether you're going in for more television or film. And basically in this industry, in, in the entertainment industry in general, you are your own business and it's important to be aware of these details and no one's going to be keeping track of these details for you so i just wanted to make an app where entertainment professionals could have this information at their fingertips and just stay organized and stay on top of things
1: and you know i I think one of the things about your project too is that because you're in entertainment you have this huge multimedia need i mean you're not just talking about you know images you're talking about video pdfs images it, you know, all, anything that comes your way, you need a way to store that and get it, get back to it.
2: Yes, exactly. And that's why I loved working with Cloudinary because I could handle any type of media, any amount. It's, it was just very user friendly and allowed me to do everything I wanted to do. So when it was recommended to me by someone at my boot camp, it was an immediate yes. And then it continued to be better and better and better. So it was it was so great to work with Cloudinary, truly. Yeah, I got
0: to tell you, Becky, I got to figure out who all these moles are that we have at bootcamp.
2: Because <laughs> this is how people
0: find out about us in a lot of cases, at least the interviews yeah. we've done, is that are like, oh yeah, a student recommended it. And they never tell us the student's name, but I'm sure that something's <laughs> happening here. So this is, this is good. This is very good. So I'm I'm glad to hear that word of mouth is happening through that. And, oh, yeah. But you, I think, Becky, you're touching on a really good point, is that When you are in an industry like this, you have to be able to handle lots of different types of media because you're going to get new contracts, like PDFs. You're going to have to have new reels that are coming out from when you've said like, oh, I was on stage here, so we want to quickly show it. So the types of media you have to handle, it's going to be diverse for sure it's not yes. just images like we do have a lot of e-commerce company companies as an example so we can almost guarantee like they need shots in a certain way with a certain type of padding a certain crop In right. the entertainment industry you're kind of getting all different things i mean it's all about you but it's all but it. you're going to get lots of diversification of what you're getting about yourself to be able to handle all that so it's it's a, yeah. it's, inter- it's an interesting dilemma that you have to face. It's like, how do you make sure it all gets streamlined and handled the right way? Um, but you right. seem to have done that with FollowSpot, which is exciting.
1: Follow Spot too. You know what? You're the first person that I've known in the entertainment industry that's in tech. So this is you know, oh, a really? learning experience for me, too. But, um When I saw your app, I did think that, hey, this could easily be translated into another kind of work world, you know. So it does a lot of things that a lot of people who are doing job searches or trying to manage their own, you know, independent business, you know, web developer business could really benefit from. So...
2: Yeah, especially I think the notes section. So, I mean, basically this is an app I wish I had years ago and especially the notes section, because even though this app is geared mainly toward the entertainment industry, it really could be used for anyone where they are their own business and they need to keep track of these details. And in the notes section, you can write as detailed notes as you want about a specific job or specific audition or whatever someone may be using an app like this for. And I personally, wish that over the years I've been an actress, I was able to keep detailed notes about what I sang or what I wore, how I felt it went or anything, anything I might not be able to remember a year later, um, who was in the room, uh, what was said, any feedback I got, or anything that I want to make sure I would continue to do next time or improve on next time. This is all, it's kind of like a little diary for people who don't want to actually open up a book and write down their thoughts. Um, It's kind of the quick and easy one you can do on the subway on your way home or something like this. Yeah,
1: And, and heads up to people watching this as you watch Jen's demo her notes are very entertaining. <laughs> you can pause the video and read notes.
2: Absolutely. I encourage that. I I spent time and, and they all, so something else to include about these auditions as they're all, um, all the seated information that i have for my own account that i've created on follow spot are auditions i actually had so even though it's only a selection of them they're all true and real and all the information is correct except some of the dates that i tweaked to um make the graphs look a little bit more even um but i was able to draw connections between projects that i didn't realize were connected so this is why i think it would be um a very useful app uh basically you know, for example, I didn't notice that the same casting office had called me in three times for different projects over a short period of time. And if I had maybe realized that trend, I might have been able to make a stronger relationship with them about continuing to work with them in the future um because no one's no one's going to be tracking this information for me. So that was something cool that I found when I was just making this app,
1: yeah. Your analytics are great. I mean, it's it's really nice. so i' I'm, I can't wait till we get in and look at, what
2: yeah. Yeah, let's get into it.
0: Yeah, let's play. a great, great segue, Becky. Let's do this.
2: Yeah. Okay, so I was thinking I could kind of do a demo and share my screen and, and walk through the app, and then we could get into the code, talk about the stack, talk about yep. the logic and details. Yeah. Sounds good to me. Great. All right, so I'll go ahead and share my screen. So I will just kind of demo um, the login. So if you hadn't already made an account, you could register here. I will log in with the account I already have created. So once the user logs in, they'll be brought to this feed page, their audition timeline, and it will show all their previously logged auditions. These cards are displayed dynamically on the page and We'll kind of get into more of this later, but I just wanted to show you the timeline. So here's now where you would enter an audition. So I can kind of demo the Cloudinary upload as well. So let's just pick new audition. User would have the chance to connect um, a callback to a previously logged project, or if it's a new audition altogether. And we can kind of take a peek at that too when we look at my data model quickly after I do this demo. So you can select any industry here. I'll be doing a Blues Clues voiceover project for this demo. And then I used Google Maps um, API here to, um, to populate these locations to come up. You can pick the date. And also when we go to the feed, they'll be displayed in reverse chronological order. So the first one that will come up is this blues clues, voiceover card, and then I'll demo uploading the sides, which is the copy. This is the script that I'll be reading from for this voiceover audition. And then this is the actual voiceover audition. So this is a way, it's, this isn't a social app, it's a way for people in the performing industry to keep track of the details about their audition, including what they even submitted. So they can look back later at the quality, maybe they get a new microphone and they wanna check what microphone they were using on this date for this audition or whatever details they might be interested in. All right, so then I will click submit. And it'll take probably five seconds and we'll be right to the feed page. So, right now, what's happening, which we'll go through later, is um, we've uploaded the media, we've named it, we're sending it to Cloudinary. Cloudinary sent us back an object. We're extracting the URL from that object and then making that URL appear um, with the name of the media on the button. So, if we click on the sides, it's the PDF. So, um, here are the sides that I would have gotten to all of these highlighted. Lines here, what I would have said for the audition. And then I uploaded as well to this card my actual audition here. I'll play just about a few seconds of it. Hi, this is Jen Brisman with Stuart Talent. Next Friday on a special new Blues Clues in You. <laughs> So that's kind of more of a a kid show energetic um, voiceover is actually one of my favorite types of jobs to do. So yeah, that's how that would work. And then just um, one more quick feature I'll demo here is that um, there's a search feature. So for instance, if you wanted to search up anything from any of the cards, it'll come up in in this search box. So if I type in Chicago, Chicago PD, Chicago Fire And then another Chicago Fire will come up. And this is one of the connections that I drew when I was making this thinking, oh, I didn't know that Claire Simon had called me in these three times and it was in a short period of time as well. Let's just say I wanted to see all of the modeling auditions I have logged. You know, that will all come up that way. And the industry cards, um, the industry is displayed with a corresponding color that's matching the graph, which I'll show you um, right now. So then the, the charts rather. Um, I use the Chart.js library to make these charts. So these donut charts over here uh, show the industry that each audition was in. This donut chart shows the agency that submitted you for each audition. And then this bar chart was the more complicated of the three, which shows the statistics for how many auditions per month, per year each user has had. So um Getting the color to correspond was was tricky and fun, and it would just be helpful for actors to know. Oh, I've had I've had a slow month here. Wow, I wonder why why November twenty twenty was so busy for me. You know, so it would just be helpful to kind of know when there's a slow time, when there's a busy time, when to maximize, when to maybe not take a trip out of town. Um, a bunch of different reasons. So yeah, I'd love to dive into the code. And now that we've done a quick demo, kind of look at how this all works. Yeah,
0: absolutely, and it, I think there's. I mean, you're pointing this out. There's a lot that's so helpful for someone that's trying to manage their career. That's here. Yeah. I think. I mean, back to your point, Becky. I I think there's even things I could see here. That if you're not involved in the entertainment industry, you could still actively be utilizing this app because, as you're saying, Becky, about job searching when you're applying to lots of different places and you're trying to remember like what did that hiring manager say to me to make sure that I'm we're bringing this up in the follow-up interviews and all that? So exactly. this is an ex- excellent tool. Um, so, uh, I mean, even yeah. past the code deep dive that we're about to do, it's just mm-hmm. where th- there's a lot of applicability that I'm seeing here. And I'm, hopefully more people um, take a chance to dive in, look at this code and, and see how it could work for them too. So I like it.
2: Yeah. Thank you so much. That means a lot. Yeah, let's take a look at. So starting kind of at the very
1: back end in your when you 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 know, the question I always ask is, you know, did you grow your model organically or did you take time and, and come up with it ahead of time? And, and I think maybe the tools that you have show really clearly how you approach this. So if you want to show us that
2: yeah. so I built my schema before anything else. Um, I had to understand how the data would be stored in order to inform how all the models would work together. So I went through a few iterations before I landed on what would be the most effective schema for my app. And the main the main change that I made was this project table and the audition table, allowing the user to select if it was a callback. they wouldn't need to fill in all of these project data that would be the same for any subsequent audition. So a callback in the entertainment industry is different from a callback function. Um, A callback is a subsequent audition for the same project. So, That was the main thing I really had to look at and decide how I wanted to do that or if I wanted to do that and I decided yes. And then basically this is pretty straightforward, the user table and then the media table, which is where I used the big kahuna of my APIs, Cloudinary and my favorite API to work with. So we'll get into that a bit later. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I, I think you've done a really great job here normalizing your data, so you're not asking your users to enter the same things over and over. If they're if they're on a project, whether it's the initial entry or a callback, it's all nicely um, organized in your database.
2: Right, and then and what database are you using again? I'm using um, a SQL database, and really quick, I just wanted to show you that it autofills um, if you are to choose that it's a callback, it'll oh, autofill yeah. the information. So you, the user doesn't need to deal with that, but they also have the ability to change something if there were to be some sort of change, but I um, predicted that there wouldn't be any change in that way. So for my database, I used a Postgres DB and I use SQL Alchemy, which is the best supported ORM for Python. And I really liked using SQL Alchemy. It's, it's very straightforward and it's easy to query the database from your application.
1: Yeah, or maybe we could take a look at your code now because I think you show in there um, as you build out your CRUD and your your model in there, how this data is going to kind of work its way through your app.
2: Yeah, so let's start with, um, well, let's look at the model, which basically is the code for the uh, data model that I just showed you. This is what it would look like in the code. you know, from Flask SQL Alchemy, import SQL Alchemy. And, you know, let's say we were to focus on the media. Um, This is the media table. And I've made a relationship with a backref of media to the user table. So this is the way that all the user ID is how we check if the user is in session. And it's also how we connect all of the data to the user. So that relationship is very important.
1: And then from there, you've got the CRUD.py where you set up all of your code for doing your create, read, update, delete.
2: Yes. And then we can just take a look at the create media function that I have in my CRUD.py. And yeah, it's pretty straightforward. And this is why it's so great to work with SQL Alchemy. And, you know, it's just a simple query and you've got it right there. And then to connect to server... Um,
1: So then you want your APIs to call on that CRUD, and you set that all up in server. Yes.
2: Yes. So here's my server.py file. Uh, These are all the APIs that I use. Um, Let's take a look at some of your APIs. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at Twilio here. What are you doing with Twilio for it? Yeah. So upon registration, I should have mentioned upon registration, the user will receive a text saying that they're registered and I'm building that out. Um, It's in the works that a user will be able to share one of their audition cards with a friend by typing in the, their number. And it's actually all set up. um, But I just don't, I'm not demoing that today, but that's something I'm working on right now. That's a cool feature though. I like it. Good idea. Yeah. 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 Um, So yeah, that's Twilio here. So that's just, in this code right here. um, Yeah, it was simple. It was a simple API to work with as well. I really liked Twilio. Um, And then I guess something to look at would be the submit project and submit audition logic. We'll get into that with the Cloudinary upload. So that will be the submit media and then upload Cloudinary here. So we can maybe do a walkthrough starting in my JavaScript. That might be a good. Uh Way to start? Okay, so let's yeah. start so there. You, you
1: don't make a big deal out of it, but you did write a lot of JavaScript here. So. I did write a lot of So you've definitely done your front end.
2: <laughs> yes, I did write a lot of JavaScript and it made me appreciate Python, um, but <laughs> it was it was fun to learn. And um, I, I actually ended up using a lot of JavaScript in my project. So let's walk through some of that now. So... um. Really quick, I'll show you since I just demoed the project and you were able to see the front end, I was going to navigate to um, input HTML. And this will show where I've written the code to allow the user to upload multiple media. So when I clicked on the add media button, another upload option appeared and you can do as many media as you want. And that's this is the logic that covers that. And then let's go to Ajax JS. And we'll basically go to where we're handling the submit. So here we have the form and here we're getting the user input. And then a new audition form means this is not a callback for a previously logged project. And then this is where we send the data to the backend for the project to be created. And then this below is where we send the data to the backend for the audition to be created. And this all happens at once. So this is with a bunch of dot thens, um, this is all happening at once on the submit. And then here is where we get to Cloudinary. So this add media function, once all previous data is returned, then we call the add media function. So yeah. you here is- get
1: the, You need to get the IDs for your, your higher level audition or callback so that you can associate them with the proper media.
2: Yes. Yes. Yep. Kind
1: of sequential.
2: Yeah, it's sequential, yes. It, it originally started with a bunch of nested fetches and then it was async await. And that was one of the more challenging parts about building this project was figuring out how all of this data was going to work together and the timing for all of it. And this add media function is at the very end. So here is where we iterate over the media files. This is where we send the data to the upload Cloudinary endpoint, which we'll check out in just a moment. And then we're waiting for Cloudinary to return the media object. And then this is where we store the media in the database. And then the title that you saw, so in the Blue's Clues audition um, part of the demo, this is where this is being handled, media title, um, audition ID, it's always connected to the audition ID. And then once the add media function is completed, we reroute to the feed. So to go to my server, and this is the upload Cloudinary route. Um, here's the endpoint here. And this is initializing Cloudinary with the config and credentials here. Then if there is a file to upload, because it's not required, although I was predicting that most users would always have media to upload. Um, if there's a file to upload, then upload to Cloudinary. And bada bang, bada boom. And, and then kind you're of, using.
1: I noticed you use the resource type auto. And can you talk about that a little? Why why you choose that? Because some people don't enter a resource type at all because it's just you know a default image. But what does that do for you there?
2: This allows the users to use any type of media, and th- basically, Cloudinary made it so easy for me to work with any media type. So this makes it so I'm not. Um, Giving any parameters for them, they have more freedom to upload any type of media they want. Like
1: Cloudinary, you'll just figure it out. Like yeah, Cloudinary this video just all this video if it's. Really-
2: Cloudinary does the heavy lifting, which is great. Which is so great um, for the multimedia person. <laughs> yes, for the multimedia person, exactly. So yeah, I think that's kind of a walkthrough of how the Cloudinary aspect of the code works. Um, another change that I made in my code is what it used to be is, um, alternative to a backend API would be using an unsigned preset on the front end. And that's how it originally was. And now it's being handled on the end, So we have a secure upload. So that was a change that I made an improvement. So thank you for that recommendation, Becky. I appreciate that.
1: <laughs> uh.
0: All right. Now, one thing I'm seeing here in your code, I don't think we've talked about it yet, but I'm seeing a lot of references to Flask. What is Flask doing with your overall application and why is it doing those things with the application? Because I think in a lot of cases, Python developers may not necessarily touch Flask and all of the work that they're doing with Python.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I I built the app with Python and and we know that's a powerful backend language and Flask is a powerful and bare bones web server. So, you know, it's a backend framework as opposed to React, which I know a lot of developers are working with, and I'm just starting to work with. And, you know, we're server-side rendering using templates. So my file server.py manages my APIs, the one that we're in now, and it hands off the data from the SQL database to HTML templates using Jinja, and it displays on the front end.
1: Yeah, and we know there are a number of uh, Python frameworks like Django, and and I think you've mentioned some others. How did you pick Flask?
2: Yeah, it was it was kind of what was offered to us at Hackbrite, But basically, you know, Django is batteries included. It comes with, it comes with a lot of dependencies, and you can't choose your own tech stack as easily or as quickly. Kind of like how. Working with Bootstrap made me realize I probably always want to use custom CSS. Um, I think Django might make me want to use Flask. Um, and then there's also Fast API, and that's newer, and it isn't as supported with with Jinja just yet. Maybe it will be um, before long, as most things go in tech, it seems. But yeah, so Flask was just was the option given to me by my school, and it was really easy to work with. And yeah, I... I enjoyed it. But again, I, I, don't, I don't have that many other comparisons because I'm so new. So, But I, yeah, I, that's part of why I picked Flask. Yeah.
0: So looking at like the tech stack that you have, because you have lots of different APIs that you're using. I mean, we, we saw a, a brief look at the Tulio one. We saw what you're doing with Cloudinary. You showed that you're doing work with Google Maps APIs. Did you have any like conflicts or like connectivity situations that um, potentially other developers may be encountering when they're working with multiple APIs that are worth talking through?
2: I mean, the funny thing is, when you're first starting out, it seems like, you know, if I were to be asked, what roadblocks did you face? I think the answer would be everything was a roadblock (laughs) because everything was so new to me. Um, But, you know, I'm, I'm just kidding. But, but really, It's hard to say. I really thought Cloudinary, the documentation was fantastic, super straightforward, super easy to work with. The only thing would be if you're working with multiple media types to either use this resource type auto or to, um, there was an option to just take out video or image and just delete that line of code. It was basically, there was a very quick fix for me to change what was given originally from Cloudinary to handle all media types. So, I mean, using Cloudinary, I think people will have a really easy time, but in general, I think any roadblocks that I faced were just because I'm just starting out. Um, And, But it's great because all of the really good juicy learning comes in the debugging. So I guess it was, you know, a good problem to have.
0: So looking at this program, obviously you have A great app. You have a great concept. And it is showing, of course, it looks like HackBright and you were highly successful. In 12 weeks, you're able to produce something pretty fantastic. So what's next? Like what, what are we going to potentially see from Jen in six, 12 months from now? What are you working on?
2: Yeah, so with this app specifically, like I said, I'm looking to implement the Twilio API to be able to have a user send a text to a friend or anyone, their mom, uh, with this audition information on the cards. Uh, And I'm also working on this F auto, Q auto feature that Cloudinary offers to optimize my media. So that code is in here and you probably, you might've seen if you had eagle eyes that when we navigated ID as something that I'm going to add to my uh, model.py and add to my data model. And I think I'll be able to optimize and set users up for... A great experience moving forward. So that's something else I'm working on here. And then another project I'm working on um, is I, I started my most recent project at a hackathon, which actually started the same day that I graduated from Hackbright, and it's um, called Sundial. It's a yoga yoga position sequencing app, and we use Markov chains to create the sequences. And we have a React front end, so it's my first time working with React and a Python Flask back end. And we also tried out using Cockroach DB for the first time. And and I've learned a lot. And our team actually won our category, and we were a finalist of around hundred entries, I believe. And we're continuing to work on that right now. So keep an eye out for Sundial. Oh. Yeah. So that's coming back for more. <laughs> oh yeah, I'd love to. to I'd love to. Dem-chem. I'll try to. I'll try to use cloudinary in it too. I'll try to. I'll try to work it in.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, you, you know what you're doing. You're working on projects. You're it, able to be proficient in this way. If someone wanted to connect with you, whether for professional purposes, maybe just to, maybe you have that person that's watching this and saying, hey, I'm in the entertainment industry too, but I wanna learn how to code like you. Where can they reach out to you? What's the best place? Are you on certain social media? Is it email? How can they reach out?
2: Yes. Yes. Great question. And I would love to chat with anyone who's interested in chatting with me. And LinkedIn is a great way to reach out. It's just Jen Brisman on LinkedIn. And email is great too. Maybe we can include my email at the bottom of this. And basically right now, I'm I'm, I'm actively seeking a junior software engineering role, uh, full stack if possible. And I would be looking for a role based in New York City and also open to working remotely. Remotely. And I'm also interested in DevRel roles down the line and more forward-facing roles that might marry my performance background and presentational skills in addition to my technical skills.
0: Amazing. Absolutely amazing. And we'll make sure, of course, all the links that you mentioned will be readily available for our audience.
1: <laughs> awesome. Um, Thank you. Jen, you had mentioned your your involvement in the artist
2: community. Oh That's yeah. Uh, so another thing I wanted to mention is I'm part of a, an amazing Slack community called Artists Who Code. And it's just amazing to see other people entering the tech space with non-traditional backgrounds. And it's it's scary to make such a dramatic change in your career, but you kind of look around and see hundreds of other people who have already transitioned successfully and are working in the tech space or are in the process of transitioning into the tech world. And it's just so comforting knowing there's this community where we've kind of defied expectations. You know, I, I don't think most people in the tech world, expect to meet a software engineer who's also a singer and an actor and a dancer, but I am and many people are and also instrumentalists and anyone who's involved in the art. So I'd love anyone who's watching this to join our community, Artists Who Code. And, you know, on the days where the imposter syndrome hits, you've got a place to go and we have have weekly Zoom meetings. And it's just really inspiring to see other people on this path, on this journey from non-traditional backgrounds and I also really think that artists inherently excel in the tech space because it requires the type of creativity that we've all been developing throughout our lives. And just, you know, to be part of this community is really special. So if anyone's watching and wants to join artists who code, find us on Slack and um, we'll include the links below. And I, we'd love to have you.
0: And I think you're touching on something that's really important. We've, we've mentioned this in other episodes as well, is that community is so vital to someone that's working in this career because there's so many different ways to get information, especially nowadays. I mean, between medium posts that are so helpful, between mm-hmm. documentation, podcasts. I mean, there's lots Pops. of different ways to get it. Yeah. But that real-time feedback that you do get through a community like what you're describing with artists who code, um, whether it's through Slack, whether it's through Discord, mm-hmm. it it's so essential. So I, I think it's great to say that you're there and you're willing to talk to people there, but also... To make sure that people like you have a space to be able to thrive, so excellent work, Jen.
1: Well, truly, I think that a lot of learning occurs through conversation. You know, I mean, I've been programming for years and years, but um, and a lot of it, of course, is very just heads down looking at code. But then the really great insights do come through conversation. So I think that the more that you can get in a community and have that. Um, Even in our training, we do a lot of kind of conversational training. So the oral tradition lives on, I think. Yes,
2: (laughs) absolutely. Yeah.
0: Excellent. Well, Jen, thank you again. It's been a pleasure having you. And once again, we hope to have you back again for some more of the amazing projects that you happen to be building.
2: Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun.
0: We covered a lot here in this episode, but... As with every Dev Jams episode, it's good for us to summarize. And that's what we've done here with the key takeaways from the conversation that we had with Jen and everything that we've learned about the Follow Spot app that she developed. Starting with, as we've pointed out, this is not the first episode we've actually pointed this out either. Coding boot camps, they're awesome and they can open up so many different opportunities and then prepare you for so many different roles within tech. So, as we've seen here, Jen came from the entertainment industry. She learned how to do so many different things in the bootcamp she was in. And now she's able to dive into various types of software development that are going to really aid her throughout her career. So that's been fantastic. And as I pointed out, this isn't the first time we've mentioned this. If we go all the way back to episode one, where we introduced Hannah, who was a student at a bootcamp that, you know, she took the time to learn all these things during a COVID period. She was able to be hired on as a solution engineer over at Datadog because of all the great work that she was able to do from the boot camp. So regardless of what you do and what, how you do it, we do think that taking the time to spend some time at a coding boot camp or a hacking boot camp, it is a great move for you professionally and personally.
1: It's wonderful also to just see people who have a really, who've really mastered one area of expertise, you know, in an industry like Jen in, in, um, in voice recording, that they can bring all that knowledge in and now apply technology to it and, and thereby make it easier for other people to, to use it.
0: Absolutely. And it, it's definitely where, as you're pointing out, people come in from different skill sets, different backgrounds. So that comment that you made at the beginning about diversity in tech, well, hopefully coding boot camps are helping to show that diversity and be able to bring in lots of different voices, lots of different opinions, lots of different backgrounds. And now that they all have this new power, this new skill set, then they should be able to do Awesome, interesting things about that will continue to push the industry forward in the ways that it should be pushed forward. So I love it. I think take the time. I, I wish that I had gone through a coding boot camp myself as I see the, the awesome things that come out from the different episodes that we're highlighting. So I think it's wonderful.
1: Yeah. The
0: other point that I do love that Jen did is that a lot of times when you see people build projects in development types of scenarios, you'll see that sometimes they go down the wrong path. It's like they're following the money. It's like, they're like, well, this is this new buzzy term or this is this hot topic that all the magazines are talking about. And I could build a project against it, but their passion isn't really with it. They're doing it because they know it might be a, a way for them to get rich or it might be a way for them to gain some notoriety. But it isn't where the heart is. But if you look at what Jen did, her heart is in it. She loves the entertainment industry. She has a theater background. And by building something, she knows her audience. She knows that she would find this to be useful because she was somebody that was going on active lots of auditions. And if this, she had this tool, it may, would make her life easier. So therefore, she knows her audience. She knows if someone was in the same situation as her going in lots and lots of auditions and trying to keep track of all the data associated with those, then they could use a tool like this. So if you know yourself, build something for yourself. Build it for that that pain point or that hole that happens to be there, rather than trying to chase the dragon and try to find that thing that's going to make you all the money in the world. So I think that's something that I really enjoyed about Jen's perspective with this product she worked on.
1: Well, yeah, and now that we have the cloud and cloud services, it's made it a lot more accessible for all of us to just kind of plug things together and get really uh, more complex solutions without having to write all the code ourselves. So it's it kind of, and this this is a great example of a project that does that, where she did write code, she wrote the Python that glues it all together, and she wrote the React that did the front end, but then for all of the kind of deeper complexities, she pulls in services like Cloudinary, like Twilio, and so forth, so that, you know, She takes advantage of the whole cloud by doing that.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And as we pointed out, we love a lot of those services. And interestingly enough, a lot of times when we look at projects that are maybe highlighted on DevJams, ones that we just see out there in the wild, it is where we're utilizing Cloudinary and Twilio and Mapbox and Gridsum and all these other technologies that, allow for things to, you know, easily weave together and make something beautiful and interesting and usable. So I, I, I agree. It's where the glue was, was Jen, but there's lots of other amazing services that helped everything get put together there and build that awesome project. I think the third point that I want to mention here, and this is the last one for the key takeaways is that it's always good to make sure that you're mentioning the companies that you are working with. If like an example where she mentioned Cloudinary, she mentioned Twilio, that's where it almost sends a signal out to those companies like, hey, I'm building something with you. And luckily at Cloudinary, we listen, we pay attention when that happens, because that's how we found Jen is that she put out that video for FollowSpot when she was working at her coding bootcamp and she put it on YouTube. And because we're you know, seeing what's out there and who's developing cool things with us, we found her and that led to this episode. But the other cool thing about it is that it allowed us to learn how awesome Jen is. And we started to do more work with her even after this episode was done where we had her get involved with a tutorial that we have showing people how to easily upload content to Cloudinary programmatically with our Node.js um, SDK. And then we also then w- collaborated with her as well as the team at Netlify to develop a course on how to use video in the Jamstack. But that was all work that we would have never found Jan if it wasn't for her putting herself out there and kind of sending out a a smoke signal (laughs) to Cloudinary to say, hey, I know how to use you. I know how media works in a dev project. So it's definitely where we should be doing this more as companies. I hope that those that work at companies like Cloudinary are hearing this. But it also is where developers, if you want to get a company's attention, use them in a project. You might be surprised at the outcome there.
1: Yeah, I mean, we have been able to be very productive with Jen's help because she has video editing skills in addition to her programming skills. And it's made it possible for us to do things like the Netlify um, project. Um, so anyone interested in that, it's at Jamstack Explorers, and it's 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 well worth the watch.
0: Absolutely. And to that point, we actually have a huge announcement for us because we have decided to hire Jen as a full-time <laughs> employee at Cloudinary. It's how much we liked it, what the work that she did for us. So... It's something to keep in mind that it's not just contract work that can potentially happen from this type of stuff. And I'm not saying that every DevsGum episode results in employment. but It's talking certainly,
1: to us, okay? <laughs> you know?
0: Exactly, exactly. Yeah. But it, it, it is to say that if you are interested in working for certain companies and you're interested in trying to find that way to say like, I really want to be a part of this thing, try weaving into your projects, trying to learn more about it because showing that you have that knowledge, it just essentially cuts down the amount of roadblocks that you might have to finally get that and be on the path that you want to be on. And luckily for us, Jen wants to be on the path of Cloudinary. So not only will you be seeing her in this episode as you did, but you also will probably be seeing a little bit more of Jen around Cloudinary over the next few years, hopefully. So we will... Keep you updated on all things about that, but don't be surprised if she pops into a future episode of Dev Jams in a more central role. All right, so with all of this said, a few final takeaways for you when it comes to just liking and subscribing. It's a big, big factor for more people, more developers to be able to learn about the awesome projects that are happening we in the space. So, make sure that if you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or whether you're watching this on YouTube or the Cloudinary Academy, make sure you're taking the time to indicate you like it, whether it's giving a five-star testimonial or putting a, hitting the like button or subscribing, whatever that action is, it does send a signal to all of those platforms that this is content that's good. So, if you like this, hopefully you do, especially if you've made it to this point of the episode, then please take the time to go do that. And of course, stay tuned because we hope to have more and more episodes of DevJams coming out to you in the near future. Becky, any final words for our audience before we let
1: them go? Uh, No, just uh, stay tuned. I think we've got some more interesting episodes coming out after this as well.
0: Amazing. Thank you again. And stay tuned for those episodes, as Becky and I have said, because we're going to be highlighting more innovative, more interesting, more... Inspirational projects that are happening in the development space and using Cloudinary. Right here on the next episode of Dev Jams. See you then.